0: Philly versus the World, episode 14, John Eliano here, flying solo once again. There has been a lot of things going on in the sports world, so I just want to touch upon a few things, including Sunday night's game between the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers, where we saw a quadruple doink. Yes, not the double doink, but a quadruple doink. And honestly, that has to be one of the craziest shots I've ever seen. And it will go down as one of the luckiest shots in NBA history. And I just have to say, Kawhi Leonard was just amazing throughout this entire series. And I have to give credit where credit is due. He's the best player in the NBA right now. LeBron James is out of the playoffs, so we can't really talk about that. But right now, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. He has almost nothing to work with. He has a bunch of scrubs working around him and guys that just keep feeding him the ball. I mean, I guess it's the right thing to do, but he's putting the team on his back and leading them to victory. And Max Kellerman got a lot of crap for this last week for saying that he's more clutch. He's better than Kobe Bryant. Kawhi Leonard proved Max correctly last night for now. I don't think he's better than Kobe Bryant, but he's on the right path. He's definitely better than Kobe when it comes to playing defense, and it's crazy. Kawhi Leonard first came in the league as a really good defender and classified as a defensive player, but under great coaching and leadership by Greg Popovich, Kawhi Leonard has elevated to become a top three player in the NBA, and it seems like he doesn't need Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich needed Kawhi. Kawhi is just putting on an incredible performance in the NBA playoffs thus far. And I'm not sure if that continues against Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is a better team than Philadelphia. I think they'll defend Kawhi better than Philadelphia did. And I just got to say, I think Kawhi is heading towards LA, not the Lakers, to the Clippers. So Toronto fans, here's a message enjoy that game. Enjoy this game seven because that's not going to happen again. Kawhi is heading towards LA. He bought a house in San Diego over this couple months ago for $13 million. You don't make that type of investment and then continue to live in a different country. So I'm just saying that trade, giving away the DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard, I don't think it's going to work out, despite the great success that you're having this year. It's not worth giving up DeMar DeRozan, a guy who loved Toronto, for a guy who clearly said, I want to go to L.A., and there's no way you could change my mind, especially here in cold-ass Toronto. But going back to that shot, you have to give credit where credit is due. Kawhi Leonard, but I'm going to tip my cap off to Kawhi Leonard. It was a great shot by Kawhi Leonard, and one that will go down in history as one of the best we'll ever see. The shot was contested, Kawhi was falling out of bounds, and it bounced off the rim four times, and Kawhi is shooting over Embiid, who stands at seven foot two. At some point, you just have to deal with it, and accept it for what it is, and just enjoy the greatness that Kawhi displayed on Sunday night. And... I just got to say, Kawhi Leonard is the definition of a silent assassin, he's he's like Chris Kyle an American Sniper, he's just deadly. In honor of last night's quadruple doink, I'm going to bring up a good memory for Philadelphians: the double doink. 43 yard attempt from the right hash mark, oh he hits the upright again, that's impossible. As you might expect, Cody Parkey lost his job. Which brings us to this next topic, Brett Brown. A guy who may lose his job in the next coming days. And in my opinion, I think the Sixers would be making a mistake if they fired Brett Brown. Brett Brown's a guy who obviously has been here since day one of the process. He was the guy that Sim Hinkie brought in as the coach. And he's had to deal with a lot of crap being... Philadelphia's coach of the last five six years, going through the process, going through the entire different regime twice, two GMs or three GMs rather, the whole Brian Colangelo thing w- with his burner accounts and his wife and all that crap. Markell Fultz, Joel b Ben Simmons, all their injuries and why they couldn't play their rookie years. Now Zaire Smith and Jimmy Butler. Tobias Harris trades. He had to deal with three different rosters this entire year. Dan Roche tweeted out Sunday night saying, if you think that the 76ers losing to a better team on the road on a 21-footer by a top-three player at the horn that hit the rim, the backboard, the rim, the rim, the rim again, and went in is a reason to fire the head coach, you're never going to be happy with anything ever. And honestly, I couldn't have said it any better. Brett Brown deserves to keep his job. This year alone, Brett Brown has dealt with a lot of changes. And he's been asked to do a lot of things that coaches in the NBA are not asked to do. On SB Nation, there's this great article by Dave Early, and he presents a great point when it comes to Brett Brown. He says, and I quote, when he was asked to find ways to win by convincing Embiid, at this point, an MVP candidate, to space the floor more, to allow more opportunities for Simmons and the newly acquired Jimmy Butler, he managed. When he later wanted to put the ball in Butler's hands more to close games and had to take the ball away from Simmons, he managed that too. If difficult personalities challenged him, he managed. When players would get injured or sick and a team would release vague, confusing, or simply false information, Brett was asked to handle that publicly and he managed that too. Unquote. These are not things that NBA coaches are traditionally asked to do. Brett Brown did all of that in one season. Now tell me, when you bring a guy after Brett Brown, do you think he's gonna be able to handle all this crap as well as Brett Brown did? I don't think so. I mean, you saw it last night with Joel Embiid. He thinks the rumors surrounding Brett Brown is a bunch of crap. And he loves Brett Brown. And he wants Brett Brown back you got to keep the core here. This core of Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. They need more time together. Let's see what they can do with a full summer together. Let's see what they can do when Ben Simmons develops a jump shot, hopefully this summer. You cannot pull the plug on this core just yet. It wasn't even a full year, and people were already firing Brett Brown, they're already trading away Joel Embiid and giving away Ben Simmons for almost nothing. I don't understand this crap from Sixers Nation. You're better than this, Philadelphia. You're way better than this. And honestly, this is something that LA fans would kill to have right now, despite having LeBron James. Let's get to the rumors surrounding Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. According to ESPN, Stephen A. Smith, there's a 95% chance... That KD and Kyrie end up in New York. And honestly, that would be one of the craziest duos. One of the best duos that the NBA will ever see. And think about this. The New York Knicks, who are, are projected to get the number one pick, they're obviously going to get Zion Williamson. So now imagine this. Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving alongside Dennis Smith. I love that lineup right there. Now, I don't think Dennis Smith is going to start, but he would be a hell of a piece coming off the bench. New York, for some reason, has become a viable contender for superstars to land, and I don't understand why. First of all, I would love to see see Kyrie go to the Lakers, team up with his former buddy, LeBron James, and I would love to see KD go to the Clippers to team up with Kawhi Leonard. But a lot of people are saying Kyrie would never go back to L.A. Stephen A. Smith came out on Monday morning and said, his sources tell him there is no way in hell Kyrie is going to L.A. Lakers. I think there's a possibility. Honestly, I would give it a 45% chance that Kyrie goes to L.A. I really like those chances, actually. And this is what needs to happen. LeBron needs to swallow his pride and come out and say, I need Kyrie just as much as he needs me. And honestly, together, they could take down the Warriors, minus Kevin Durant, which they've already done in the past. Now, this brings up the biggest question. Why New York? Of all places. I understand it's a big market. I understand that Kyrie Irving is from New Jersey, close to the New York area. It just doesn't make any sense. Kyrie and KD going to New York would be joining a dysfunctional franchise with probably the worst owner in sports in James Dolan. We're seeing the dysfunction in LA right now, and it starts at the top. Anything that goes wrong in business starts at the top. How else do you think the Knicks have not been able to go over the hump and reach the NBA playoffs these last couple of years? It starts with Jimmy Dolan. I don't understand the attraction of going to New York. Both guys, Kyrie and KD, they can't even handle the media in the market that they're in right now. Boston, I guess it's a big media market, sure, It's but it's not as big as New York or Philadelphia or LA. Kevin Durant, he's in San Francisco slash Oakland. That media is not known to be that rough, and he already has a couple spats with them. How else do you think he's going to deal with the New York media, who is not afraid to to go at it with their players. To write bad stuff on Twitter and write bad articles about them. Is Kevin Durant going to bring back the burner accounts and to defend himself? No. I just don't see it working out. Now let's get to something that I do see working out. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles. The recent moves that they've made by signing Stefan Wisniewski, Zach Brown, Cody Kessler, Blake Countess. Now, let's not get it carried away with the Cody Kessler signing. It's just for backup reasons. It's just to put a little more pressure on Nate Sudfeld. I don't see him making the team. The three quarterbacks that the Eagles are going to put on the 53-man roster are obviously Carson Wentz, Nate Sudfeld, and their fifth-round pick, Clayton Thorson. But let's get to Zach Brown and one thing that really stuck out to me. He started 74 games in his career in three different systems and made the Pro Bowl. That's evidence right there that he could play, and he was one of the most productive linebackers in the NFL last season. Pro Football Focus had him rated as a top five linebacker, ladies and gentlemen. And the Eagles got him for a discount, one year, $3 million. Some would say that he's already a better player than Jordan Hicks, a guy who the Eagles let test the free agent market, and he scored a big deal in Arizona. But let me tell you this, the biggest difference between Jordan Hicks and Zach Brown, Zach Brown stays on the field. Jordan Hicks, I love Jordan Hicks. He was a special player in Philadelphia, had a lot of potential, but he could not stay on the field. He kept getting injured. He was just too injury prone. Talk about a, a guy being injury prone. He proved it more than Carson Wentz is. I had enough of Jordan Hicks's absence. And obviously, Zach Brown coming in is not a long-term solution, but it's a Band-Aid right now. And a Band-Aid that I think will stick. Now let's get to Blake Countess. A defensive back who was selected by the Eagles in the 6th round of the 2016 NFL Draft. The same draft where the Eagles selected Carson Wentz, Isaac Malo and Wendell Smallwood. So now they bring it back a guy from that draft class who has proven to be a solid depth piece. I think Blake Countess will be a good player in Philadelphia. He's going to be serving the third safety role, a role that Corey Graham wasn't really up to playing. And when Rodney McLeod got injured, Corey Graham was thrown in the fire and he was exposed. I think Blake Countess, is obvious, he's obviously a younger player, but I think he's a way better player than Corey Graham. I love that add to the secondary. Howie making another good move. And now... Let's get to Stefan Wisniewski, who was re-signed by the Philadelphia Eagles early Monday morning. And this is just another good move by Philadelphia. They released Stefan Wisniewski earlier in the offseason. They saved $3 million in the cash space. And then they re-signed them today for $2 million. So bringing back a guy who's a great depth piece, again, for less money. Hey, that's just another good move by Howie. And... He's the top interior lineman on the Eagles right now. He can play guard, center, and with Brandon Brooks coming back from a nasty Achilles injury, I don't see Brandon returning that quickly, especially early in training camp. Maybe he'll be there by week three, so we need somebody to step in, and that will be Stephen Wisniewski, because the Eagles could no longer rely on Matt Pryor who's the top backup on the offensive line, who's never really gotten real playing time. So bringing back Wazniewski is a great move by Philadelphia once again. And you never know. Jason Kelsey is not the healthiest player on the line. Stephen Wazniewski could step in his spot as well. Now, when you look at the Eagles roster, there's not a lot of holes. And honestly, I think the latest moves that the Eagles have made, it proves that the Eagles are going for it all again. When you look at the roster, it's win-now mode, and Eagles fans, you ought to be excited for this upcoming season. Honestly, if I had to take a shot right now, I would say that the Eagles are going to be in the divisional round at least. They are already a top three seed in the NFC, in my opinion. I think the Packers right now are going to be up there, and I think the Saints, they're going to return to their prominence. I'm not buying the Rams just yet. I'm a big Rams hater. I will admit it. But I think it's the Saints, the Packers, and the Philadelphia Eagles as the top three teams in the NFC. Eagles fans, be prepared for a hell of a season and maybe another Super Bowl run. And that's it. That's the show. Thanks for joining Philly versus the World on this short flight. I'm John Iliano. signing off. Oh!